Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm glad you could be with us. In the midst of such a sad week, I think that this will be the topic that defines the public discourse for the next few days. And there really is only one story. And of course, the one story is the NRA annual meeting this weekend in Houston. Finally, we can all go down and party with our fun-loving, gun-loving friends. Featuring Governor Greg Abbott, gelatinous Senator Ted Cruz, congenitally beige Senator John Cornyn. Oh, no, I'm sorry, wait. John Cornyn dropped out. He said he was going to go. He was on all the information, but now, after the shooting, said he has a scheduling conflict. Well, that's the most manly way to do it, isn't it? And the grand guest... Speaking for the sixth time at the convention, former host of Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump. The NRA event website describes their annual meeting this weekend in Houston as hosting, quote, patriots for a freedom-filled weekend for the entire family as we celebrate freedom, firearms, and the Second Amendment. They mentioned freedom twice in one sentence and mentioned firearms and the Second Amendment in one sentence. If you're checking your calendar, the convention's going to take place at the George R. Brown Convention Center from Thursday to Sunday. That's roughly around 270 miles from Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, where one well-regulated militia murdered 19 children and two adults yesterday. And these patriots are not going to let that completely preventable shooting ruin their good time. Now, some critics have called for the convention to be canceled. This was, after all, the worst school massacre since Sandy Hook Elementary almost 10 years ago. But that's not going to stop these patriots from showing up for the party of the year. But their guns can't come. More on that later. Let's talk about the officials in Texas who allowed this to happen and are determined to learn nothing and do nothing that might prevent the next one. There was a briefing today about the massacre. And I don't know if you saw any of it, But Texas officials blamed everything but guns and access to guns for uh, the shooter who had easy access to guns and killed 19 children and two adults. Mental health got Chicago, 
the fact that school had too many doors. Yes, guys, the school had too many doors. Greg Abbott repeatedly said the main issue here was mental health. He did admit that the 18-year-old murderer had no known mental health or criminal history. And he, he said one thing that has substantially changed is the status of mental health in our communities. Actually, you know what changed? Last September, he lowered the age to buy these weapons to 18. Governor Dan Patrick, lieutenant governor rather, said we as a government need to find a way to target that mental health challenge. If he'd taken three more minutes to find an open door, he said, uh, it might have been harder for him to kill these people. Okay, so, so this is what we should expect. In situations like this, when someone easily gets their hands on a machine designed to kill lots of humans really fast, the designer of which never wanted civilians to own them, Republicans will talk about mental health and say the problem isn't guns. For a long time, it was terrorism, right? Or video games. Now it's mental health. Because, you know, all of our overseas allies that have no mass shootings have the same video games and mental health issues we have. Uh, Senate Minority Whip John Thune, he, he had an interesting exchange uh, with, with Tapper. He said, um, he said, I think you've got to figure out the common thread. And the one that seems to be the common thread, in my view at least, is that these people are mentally damaged. Tapper said, but mental illness is not unique to this country. There's mental illness everywhere. And Thune said, if that's the motivation behind these killings, and that's the thing to me you have to address. You don't put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to firearms. There are a lot of them out there already, and mostly in the hands of law-abiding citizens. How you identify solutions depends on wh what you conclude the problem to be. They're not going to do anything. There will be more mass shootings. Dan Sullivan from Alaska said, I haven't seen any of the details. But there's a common theme, and it is young men who have somehow been very disturbed by social media and things that lead to this. And I mean, that is a common, common element. Not as common as easy access to guns, senators. But he said to me, that's the focus on mental illness and those issues. Susan Collins, Profile and Courage, said one thing that many of us have supported is to have some sort of red flag law along the lines of what Maine has. Greg Abbott said, you know, there's, quote, real gun laws in Chicago. He said that. He said there are more people that are shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. Here's the facts. And this, he, he said, you know, there's killings in Chicago, killings in New York. Yeah, but you know why? Chicago does have gun laws. And so those people cross the border into Indiana, where they easily get all the guns they want. Here in New York, they go to Virginia and get all the guns they want. These guys are fear peddlers. That's all the Republican Party has is fear and blame. There's no ideas. There's no solutions. There's no substance. They have fear. 87% of Americans want to prevent mentally ill people from getting guns. 81% want to expand background checks. 63% of us want to ban civilians from owning assault-style weapons. But Republicans in Congress have voted down all these proposals, or, or at least blocked them with a filibuster, because you won't keep your job as a Republican in this country unless you cater to a deeply white, deeply right-wing, insane base. Many families are expressing outrage that this killer could buy two assault rifles days after his birthday earlier this month. It was the day after his 18th birthday. He legally purchased one of them on May 17th. Texas has made it easier to buy guns in the last few months, despite all the mass shootings we've had in recent memory. There was, of course, uh, the killing of uh, people in El Paso and Odessa. That was 30 people combined. But the new law that came into effect September 1st allowed anyone over the age of 21 to carry a handgun in most places without a permit or training. 
Anyone can carry a gun in most places without a permit or training. That bill was put forward by Texas Republicans. Before that change, they had to pass a background check. Before that new law, they had to take a safety course. They had to take a competency test to get a license. And at the time, Governor Abbott said the permitless carry law was the biggest and best gun law that instilled freedom in Texas. We're kind of left with this question. In, in this America, is anybody safe from guns? Well, one, one person. One person is safe from guns, but we'll get to that. See, Governor Abbott doesn't have to do anything. His job is safe. The Republicans we're dealing with, and I always invite our Republican friends to call us at 866-997-GRIP or write us at the show's Facebook page or, or johnfugelsang.com. These Republicans aren't patriots. They don't care about the lives of Americans. They're not pro-life. They are not Christian. They're going to do what they always do. They're going to wait for the shock of the latest atrocity to fade. They're going to wait for the rest of us to drift on to the next thing. What will the Johnny Depp Amber Heard verdict be? The checks will keep on rolling in. The votes will keep on coming in. The bodies will keep piling up. And the only country on earth that has this problem will keep on telling us there's no problem. So Chuck Schumer announced this morning on the Senate floor that he's allowing bipartisan gun violence talks to move forward. Maybe this is the tipping point. He said, my Republican colleagues can work with us now. I think it's a slim prospect, very slim, all too slim. We've been burnt so many times before. Last night, Schumer took a procedural step to put two gun control bills on the Senate's calendar. One is H.R. 8, the bipartisan background checks bill, which is hugely popular. And one is H.R. 1446, the Enhanced Background Checks Act, which is also known as the Charleston Lupo Bill. Now, your House of Representatives approved both of these back 15 months ago. In March of 2021, do not expect anything to happen from this Congress. The Senate is going to go on a week-long Memorial Day recess tomorrow. Generally, Schumer likes to put GOP lawmakers on record with tough votes. They have to vote on, and then he can use it against them politically. That's how they play the game. But he said there's no plan to have a roll call on guns. They're going to give time to let bipartisan conversations develop. So that's what's going to happen. He could file cloture on these two background check bills and make Republican senators cast votes on them. He could do it tonight. But nope, they're going to go away for a week. After the worst school shooting in 10 years, they're taking a vacation. What would this accomplish? I mean, honestly, it's tough talk on my part, but there wouldn't be enough support to overcome a Republican filibuster on either of these bills. That's why Schumer didn't have a gun vote after the other mass shooting we just had in Buffalo 11 days ago that left 10 Americans dead. He set a vote for tomorrow to begin debate on the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. That is, it's good. It's designed to help federal law enforcement and the Pentagon counter violent threats from white supremacists. And Republicans are going to block debate on that, too. The Democrats can't have an assault weapons ban. You can look at the graphs and show how the mass shootings went down when that went into effect and how they began rising again when Bush let it lapse. They can't do it again. The Senate cannot do anything or they won't do anything because of the filibuster. Republican Senators Sinema uh, and Joe Manchin have both said this shooting won't change their position on the 60 vote threshold for the same reason nothing, nothing else mattered. There have been exceptions. We, we, had a, we had a carve out for the debt ceiling. Nope. Not enough. Manchin said everyone wants to go filibuster, filibuster, get rid of that. What makes you think they won't reverse it immediately if they didn't like what we do? Manchin said he was shocked by the shooting, but he will not support ending the filibuster to have new gun control laws 
to save American lives. Here's Joe Biden this morning. He followed up on last night's address with more statements and he and asks for Congress. And he announced that he and the first lady will go to Texas. Since I spoke last night, the confirmed death toll has tragically climbed, including another teacher and two more, three more students. Jill and I will be traveling to Texas in the coming days to meet with the families and let them know we have a sense, just a sense of their pain, and hopefully bring some little comfort to the community in shock, in grief, and in trauma. So what can he do, right? His approval ratings are low. It's a 50-50 Senate, hyper-partisanship. I mean, thoughts and prayers, right? Tough talk. What else can they do? Some people are trying to get the red flag laws to happen. Uh, Tom Tillis is against that, but a lot of people are agreeing and red flag laws. They're already enacted in 19 states. And it's pretty much state laws that authorize courts to issue a special type of protection order, which allows the cops to temporarily confiscate guns from people who are deemed by a judge to be a danger to themselves and others. Uh, Richard Blumenthal and Lindsey Graham introduced this proposal after the shootings in San Antonio and Dayton, Ohio, three years ago. Remember those? Now, often the request for this order comes from relatives or friends who are worried about a loved one who owns one or more guns and has expressed suicidal thoughts or talked about shooting people. But at this time, there's no deal to move forward on that at all. Dick Durbin said he doesn't think anything will happen. He said, let's put the cards on the table. Even the most basic gun safety provisions supported by the overwhelming majority are opposed by virtually every Republican senator. In a 50-50 Senate, where you need 60 votes, I don't know any speech I could give that would be persuasive. You know, we were close on red flag laws a couple of years ago. You know how close we got? In the summer of 2019, over the impeachment of Donald Trump. Um, at one point, Trump called Pelosi to, and tried to dangle the prospect of having a gun-related agreement to get her to back off of impeachment. It didn't work. Here's Joe Biden again, begging Congress to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good when it comes to sensible gun laws. I spent my career as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and as vice president working for common sense gun reforms, as I said, as a senator and a vice president. While they clearly will not prevent every tragedy, we know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon you couldn't own certain kinds of weapons it's just always been limitations but guess what these actions we've taken before they saved lives and they can do it again the idea that an 18 year old can walk into a store and buy weapons of war designed and marketed to kill is, I think, just wrong. It just violates common sense. Even the manufacturer, the, the, the inventor of that weapon, thought that as well. So, you know, look, polls show most Americans want to do more. Almost 90% of us want to have universal background checks. They just had a Politico poll a couple of days before yesterday's shooting. 59% of registered voters say it's important for lawmakers to pass stricter gun legislation. That's before the shooting. 
And the NRA has not been this weak in years. Scandal after scandal. Remember Oliver North came in to run the place? They filed for bankruptcy. Children were killed. 19 in the heart of Texas, in Republicans' backyard. And yet there's no momentum. No one thinks we can do anything. Many families are still waiting for word on their children. Some parents were gathered at the town civic center. And the reports were you could, you could hear the silence broken by screams and parents screaming, no, please, no, as they got the terrible news. Officials haven't given a motive yet. They're still trying to contact the shooter's relatives and tracking down the firearms. Congress is going on vacation. And all we hear is that no one can do anything. Whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, someone did something. Someone did something very interesting today. Better O'Rourke, who is running against Greg Abbott to be governor of Texas, walked into the press conference. I'm sure you've heard about it. And he confronted him during the briefing, yelling, you're offering us nothing. Better O'Rourke's from El Paso, where you'll recall that other charming gunman who believed white replacement theory killed 23 human beings. And since then, Texas has expanded gun rights and made it easier to get guns. He went in there and he pissed off a lot of evil right wing, evil right wing white men. Give a listen. Uh, this is the Thoughts and Prayers press conference today. Beto interrupted to condemn the politician who made purchase of this weapon possible. Pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Get out of the next shooting is right now and you are doing nothing. No. He needs to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to this over. This is totally predictable when you Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Okay, now that was Ted Cruz who was yelling, sit down. That was Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin who said, you're a sick son of a bitch. He actually got Boss Hogg trending today on Twitter for the way he spoke. That was Lieutenant Governor Tan Patrick who said, you're out of line and an embarrassment. These are the men who accused him of politicizing a tragedy. When in reality, Beto O'Rourke was pretty much just trying to prevent the next one. These are the men who made it possible for this 18-year-old to get an AR-15. Them and George Bush, who of course allowed the assault weapons ban to expire during his term. Beto walked outside and he kept on talking. A4. In the nation in mental health care access, 50th. There are only 50 states in the nation. We are dead last. The number one provider of mental health care services under Greg Abbott in the state of Texas is the county jail system in the state of Texas. The largest inpatient mental health care facility in the state of Texas is the Harris County Jail in downtown Houston, Texas. He's refused to expand Medicaid, which would bring $10 billion a year, including mental health care access. Having trouble, they may kill somebody, they may kill themselves. A red flag law would protect the public. He's refused, he's refused, he's refused. He's refused to support safe storage laws so young people cannot get their hands on their parents' guns. Why he he's refused. He's refused to support. He's refused to support a ban on AR-15s and AK-47s. This 18-year-old who just turned 18 bought an AR-15 and took it into an elementary school and shot kids in the face and killed them. Why are we letting this happen in this country? 
Why is this happening in this state? Year after year, city after city, this is on all of us if we do not do something, and I am going to do something, and I'm not alone. The people of Texas are with us. The majority of the people of Texas are with us, but we've got to stand up to this, or we just accept this theater and business as usual, and we accept the next shooting. We could have stopped this if we had stood up after Santa Fe High School, if we had stood up after El Paso, we are gonna stop the next one. We're standing up right here in Uvalde, Texas right now. That's why I'm here. That's what the people of Texas want right now. That's what we're gonna focus on. It was grandstanding. It was opportunistic grandstanding. And it was also the most powerful moral statement anyone has done since this happened. Beto O'Rourke did more in that two minutes than any politician has in the last two years. 19 kids and two of their teachers have been identified so far. They were all in the same classroom. Eliana Garcia, who was 10. Jacqueline Cazares, who was 10. Jose Flores Jr. was in fourth grade. Uzziah Garcia was eight. Alethea Ramirez was 10. Amarillo Garza was 10. Javier Lopez was 10. Rogelio Torres was 10. Annabel Guadalupe Rodriguez was 10. Alejana Cruz Torres was 10. Jalaya Siguero, JC Carmelo Luvanos. Irma Garcia was a teacher for 23 years. Eva Morales was a teacher for 17 years. So who's safe from guns? One person. And that's Donald Trump. Because when Donald Trump shows up to speak at the NRA's Jamboree this weekend in Houston, attendees will be prohibited from bringing their own firearms to his forum as per a security notice from the Secret Service, who are there on your dime to protect Donald Trump, who wants more guns. He's delivering an address at their annual leadership forum on Friday. And the audience members won't be able to bring guns there. Why? For his safety. The NRA wants him to be safe, so they're not allowing guns. And that is only true in that one room. And then... They can get back to shooting up schools as soon as the speech is done. And the Senate will leave tomorrow after this massacre without doing a thing. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Very excited to welcome our next guest back to the show. I want to begin with a very simple quote from the book of Matthew. 2652, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Seems pretty direct. 
doesn't it? I mean, especially if you think that Jesus was serious with all that love your enemies, turn the other cheek stuff. Of course, for too long, those who boast the loudest of their Christianity are the most ignorant of what the character named Christ talks about in the actual book. So in the light of the most recent disaster and preventable tragedy, I was so excited to get Keith Giles uh, back on the show. Keith is a former pastor. He left the pulpit to actually follow Jesus. And he started a house church where no one takes a salary, and 100% of all offerings were given to help the poor in the community. He's published uh, seven best-selling Jesus Un books, including Jesus Unbound, Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics, The Pledge of Allegiance to the Lamb. His most recent book is something that I really have been having uh, heavily on my mind the last few days, Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. Uh, Keith Giles, welcome back. It's good to see you. Oh, John, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I We were kind of chatting before I jumped on here about how it's a little sad, you know, that this is the reason we have to uh, speak to each other again and, and catch up with each other again. Um, I'm sure, like most people, your heart is broken and you can kind of swing between rage and, and despair. Um, since no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty firmly ground, both feet in rage, both feet oh, in okay. rage. Yeah. <laughs> dis- despair sounds relaxing to me, but you know, okay. what's, what's infuriated me all day, sir, has been uh, seeing these folks on social media who are just uh, so contemptuously indifferent to the suffering because yeah. their entertainment, not their rights, and AR-15 is not their rights, their entertainment. Their right. entertainment means more to them than the lives of others. And these are the people who boast that they are so pro-life. Keith... I saw so many people today with crucifixes or the name of Jesus in their profile Mm -hmm. uh, denigrating anybody who wants to do anything to make it safer for kids to not get shot in this country. I've had it with these people getting away with calling themselves Christian. I want to call them all out. Why is it so different for difficult rather for so many Christians to believe that Christ, who their religions named after would want us to behave peacefully? Yeah. Well, um, I think that's, that's a great question. And I, I believe that the biggest kind of the core of that problem, like the, it goes back to simply in my experience as a pastor and as growing up a, as a Christian in America and the Southern Baptist Convention and in Texas, by the way, um, it's because, uh, again, just in my experience, most Christians in America are not encouraged to follow Jesus. They may, may be encouraged to worship Jesus, to sing songs about Jesus, um, but really uh, they don't follow Jesus. That's not their intention. Most of them couldn't tell you the first thing about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, they are following a religion called Christianity. And unfortunately, Christianity, that they're, the brand of Christianity they're following is very Americanized. It's extremely Americanized. Um, and it, it, it's basically um, a whole lot of law, a whole lot of do's and don'ts. And, um, you know, maybe it's the Old Testament with a cross on top, but it, it's not at all uh, much that looks like Jesus. And I, I think a lot of people, if you've grown up in the church, spent time in church like I have, you can probably nod your head what I'm saying and go, yeah, that's right. I didn't hear a whole lot about Jesus growing up, not yeah. a whole lot of red letters um, on Sunday morning in the sermons. Um, and so at least that's what I noticed. And that's why I started writing those books. Because that's, I, all I, that's all you get. You get the Jesus in the manger as a baby yeah. and the Jesus arisen. Not the guy in between, not the activist who fights for the poor, who fights for the sick, who fights for the incarcerated, and who demands you welcome the stranger. These are all things that our right-wing friends don't like to hear about. But it, it just gets particularly perverse 
when they try to pretend that you can follow Jesus and be such a vulgar gun nut. I mean, when, when you're confronted with someone who vehemently defends their use of the Christian faith to support violence, how do you respond? Um, well, probably a lot like you. Um, I'm usually very upset. I'll be honest, after like 10 years of talking to people on social media about this topic, I'm pretty exhausted. Um, one of the reasons I wrote that book, Jesus Unarmed, was sort of like, I just want to put everything in a book and then just say, here, read this. Because, um, But yeah, I mean, I get all those same kind of things that you get, you know, Christians saying, because they've been told this, they, they genuinely believe this. So I I, on one level, I have a measure of compassion because it was a time in my life when I was right there with them. I, I, I believe that to be a Christian meant being, you know, a straight ticket Republican and a member yeah. of the NRA and all that. And so they're just regurgitating, unfortunately, what they've heard from the pulpit and what they've heard from other, you know, Christian leaders in, in the churches they attend. These ideas that basically Jesus is the post poster child for, you know, the NRA and Jesus, uh, Jesus knocked over the tables in the temple and he used a whip to chase people out. And, you know, he told the disciples go and buy a sword. So basically they, they will go to one or two verses. And of course they love to talk about revelation when Jesus comes back to really kick ass and slaughter his enemies and all that. Um, You know, he came back the first time on a, on a donkey, but he's coming next time on a stallion and he's, he's going to make people pay. And, um, and so the version of Jesus they have is a, is a violent Jesus. They, they believe that, the Jesus that that is in the scripture is the Jesus that uh, would kick ass and would, uh, you know, would you would, would use violence. And so, yeah, you have to what I what I have to do, I always say my ministry now is um, introducing Christians to Jesus, which is really okay. hard to do, because especially if they think they already know Jesus. That's right. Oh, it's so true. I want to break down those three little Bible passages you mentioned, though, really sure. quickly, because you're right. This is the this is the spine of this bullshit that they push. <laughs> First off, the the making a whip and driving the money changers out of the temple. That's because they were exploiting the poor, right? That was Jesus yes. getting angry because poor people were getting screwed over by capitalists. That was that that whole story, correct? Yes, that is exactly right, and it's not just that. That's why he was angry. He was upset. So he was angry. He was upset. He did. He did take a whip in, in the Gospel of John, and he did um, chase them out of, uh, of the temple. But if you go and read what it actually says, this happens in the second chapter of John. Um, and I'm going to just quote a little bit from the actual Bible. Imagine that. Go to the actual passage and see what it actually says. And when you do, oops, it doesn't support uh, what they think it supports. So it actually says in John 2, and uh, starting in verse 14, it says, you know, in the temple courts, Jesus found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. So right there, what it says is he used the whip, yes, but and he drove all of them out of the temple. But who is the all that he drove out? Sheep and cattle. So, okay, maybe the sheep and the cattle uh, were a little scared because he was using a whip. But again, even when you use a whip, um, you don't strike the animal with the whip. You crack it over their head and right. make a loud sound, and it scares them and makes them run. So even that whip isn't violence. And according to that passage in John that they love to quote, Jesus never uses that whip against any person. Um, it's simply for, you know, it's, it's something he's doing so that he can drive the animals out of the temple. 
Okay, last time you were here, we talked about Luke 22, and I talked about yes. this several times on the show. This whole this whole justification where people say, well, Jesus said, sell your cloak and buy a sword. He said, sell your cloak and buy a sword. And that only works if you only read that one line, because the That's entire right. story and context is just about prophecy and Jesus being anti-weaponry. Am I right? That is exactly right. And by the way, I want to thank you, because I have heard you several times so I'm sure you're just as exhausted as I am trying to trying to point Christians to this because they, they love quoting it, like you said, but they don't really love going back and reading it. But if yeah. you actually open the scripture well, and if you actually read it, um, then what you see is exactly what you said. He says, go and buy a sword. But then it tells you right there so that the prophecy about me would be fulfilled, that he was numbered with the transgressors. transgressors. Then, so, we're crimi- so we're criminals. The prophecy says yes. have to be criminals. So you guys got to get a couple of swords so they can arrest us. Right. And then and then the other way you know that that's true is that later on, when Peter uses the sword to, you know, in that way, Jesus even says this. This happens in Matthew 26, where we get this extra detail where where after Peter cuts off the guy's ear, he says, you know, he rebukes him, put away your sword. And then he says, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? So, again, it's all about um, him saying we have to do that. You guys have to do this so that this prophecy will be fulfilled. Right. And then when it's fulfilled, he says, oh, by the way, good. Uh, we can check that box. You guys did it. You fulfilled. Yeah, they say, they, well, they say, hey, Jesus, we already have two swords. And he goes, oh, that's enough. Don't, no, no problem then. So no one yeah. actually buys a sword in the whole damn story. No. And the other thing about it, too, is um, if you want to get really technical into the Greek, um, these guys are <laughs> fishermen, right? So we know that Peter was a fisherman. And the word there in the Greek in the New Testament isn't the word for sword. It's actually the word for a knife like you would use to cut a net. So even in that case, it's not a self-defense weapon. It's a it's a knife that he would have had to cut the nets as part of his job as a fisherman. Um, And then we also should say two knives or even if you want to say swords, fine. But two swords or two knives are not enough for 13 guys to defend themselves against a legion of Roman soldiers. So that's obviously not what Jesus had in mind. It wasn't about (laughs) self-defense. It was obviously, he says it twice, very clearly, it's about only fulfilling this prophecy. Exactly. Mr. Turn the Other Cheek wasn't a big self-defense guy. And finally, Book of Revelation, Jesus is dead before it happens. It's just a guy named John who's not the apostle tripping his face off in a cave and writing down his hallucinations, right? We don't really need to go too deep into that, do we? Right. No, we're not too deep, but I do want to point out that I think the violence in Revelation, and I go into depth in the book about this, but um, the violence that we see in Revelation, at first blush, it looks really horrible, right? Oh, rivers of blood and up to the bridles of the horses and Jesus with a sword out of his mouth. But if you look closely, what what John is doing there, he's subverting um, Old Testament apocalyptic language. And it's, and if you notice, again, if you just notice the details, it's Jesus' own blood. He's wearing a robe dipped in blood, it says. But it's his own blood that he's dipped in, right? He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The sword out of his mouth is not a literal sword. It's the it's the word of God. It's the gospel. And, and the gospel, the only, the only thing the gospel does, the whole thing about the gospel is take up your cross and die to yourself you know, in your, as you're following Christ. And so the sword, uh, the gospel, it, it only sort of kills the flesh, kills this part of you that needs to be transformed uh, into the image of Christ. It's it's all metaphorical um, and then there's also this really almost hilarious image in Revelation of uh, when John, it says, turns to see the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he turns, he doesn't see a lion. He sees a lamb. Uh, the word is actually lambkin. It's a it's a suckling lamb. It's a cute little baby lamb. And so later on, when it talks about the wrath of the lambkin or the, the suckling lamb, it's meant to make you kind of 
laugh like that's ridiculous it's like the wrath of the puppy or the kitten right um, so even so even even the violence in revelation um you have to go a little deeper you have to look and see what's really being said and in the end what you see it's actually a subversion of violence uh it's not the kind of violence we expect so why do you think that this whole myth of of redemptive violence still runs so deep in the american psyche Wow. Um, well, I just think it's reinforced in so many ways. I, I know in the church, like I said, it's reinforced. You know, we we will hold up in the church guys like King David, um, who uh, he's the hero, right? He's the kind of guy that you want to be like because he slays Goliath and all that. Um, but then again, if you look and see later on in his life when he wants to build a temple for God, God says, sorry, um, you can't build a temple for me because your hands are covered in blood. Um, yeah. You know, so we... We were not again noticing the details here. How, how does God respond to the to David being this violent man, this warrior? God says, you know, it kind of disqualifies you for being somebody who's going to be uh, actively participating in this temple, right? That that you want to build for me. And so our worship of God can't have blood on its hands. It, it can't be. And yet we want to mix it, right? Um, so I, I definitely have seen it in the church. I've seen it reinforced where it's where the, the version of Jesus that people are sold looks more like a John Wayne character and not like the totally. real, you know, enemy loving, turn the other cheek, bless those Amen. who curse you. Um, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do uh, kind of Messiah. And, and again, you know, there's also, there's other things. Sure. Uh, in our culture, um, the redemptive violence myth is part of our, you know, Cowboys and Indians and yeah. even the Marvel movies, which I love, but it's still, yeah, you have too. to, you have to back off and say, well, is the solution to everything killing the bad guy? Like, are there oh, other solutions? Are there better ways big, to solve problems? I'm a big fan of fake violence. Uh, I love, love <laughs> <Me> fake <too>. <laughs> violence, and I love real peace. Make-believe violence is okay by me. Doesn't bother me a bit. Real peace, I like even more. But real you, you, point out, you point out that, you know, since 1776, we've been at war for like 222 years out of 239, about 93% of our history. And you yeah. say in the book, not only is redemptive violence not the answer, it is the problem we need to solve before we can advance as a species. Yeah. Keith, I'm looking at all these Christians just glorifying guns. How can mm. we begin to address this issue in a country where the gun owners have bought off the white people? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, those those white people, and I'm, again, uh, I'm a white a white guy raised by white people, and uh, <laughs> so I could say with some authority um, that ch uh, changing hearts and minds is possible. Like I never would have thought, um, you know, back when I was younger, that I would have ever changed my mind about these things, but I did. Um, and so what it took was a lot of uh, being willing to listen, being willing to, um, you know, read things that maybe are outside of the lines of what I was told to look at or think about. Um, but I think for anybody who listens to your show who would call themselves a follower of Jesus, a Christian, um, I just would encourage you to really take that seriously. Are you following Jesus or are you following the Republican Party or are you following, um, you know, some some other version that isn't really Jesus? I mean, I, I think that's something to consider. Who was Jesus really? And, and look look seriously at that because that's kind of what I did. And the more I looked at who Jesus really was and I read those red letters and I decided, well, if the gospel was about saying a prayer so I can go to heaven when I die, then I guess it doesn't matter. But that's never the way Jesus describes the gospel. Jesus says the good news 
is that um, the kingdom of God is within you and that the way you enter that kingdom, which is just another way of living, it's a better way of living your life where you love your enemy, where you treat other people as a brother or sister, where you don't you don't play this us and them kind of a game. And, and but that takes a shift. Right. You have to change your mind. You have to change your behavior. Um, and, and I think that's the problem is that I've been posting things on social media the last couple of days as well. Um, trying to, again to get Christians to see Jesus this way and introduce them to Jesus. And I've gotten those kinds of responses of like, well, you know, we're, I'm not Jesus. Jesus did that, but I'm not Jesus. And, exactly. and the Christians are saying this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the problem. Um, you think that it's uh, Jesus is the one who's supposed to do this stuff. When Jesus says, no, I expect you to do this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do the things that I say. And yeah. so if we're going to follow Jesus in this path of peace, guess what? We have to be the ones to decide to on our own. I'm going to beat my weapons into gardening tools. That that's a that's a personal decision that the individual has to make, and they make that decision because, hey, Jesus has shown me a, a different way um, of living and being and loving in a way that um, that I, I they have to make a decision to say I want to be that kind of person. I want to live that way, and I believe it's possible. Um, rather than waiting for Jesus to sort of force people to do it, that's not ever going to happen. Uh, the world yeah. will change when we change, and until we change, the world won't change. It's hard to think of a more anti-self-defense figure in history or literature than than Jesus. Um, yeah. and, and Keith, I have one last question. When you were writing Jesus Unarmed, I'm curious, you know, you have to deal with these trolls all the time. I mean, did you gain any new insights into the topic in your research? What surprised you the most when writing Jesus Unarmed? Um, you know, well, I think the thing that, thanks for asking that, by the way, I think the thing that really surprised me during the research for the book was how often um, creative nonviolent resistance or creative nonviolence works. Um, there's a woman named Erica Chenoweth. I found she did, has done some excellent research. Like I think over decades, she did research and found that in um, armed resistance to violent regimes, that um, it's something like 80% of the time, non creative nonviolence worked um, where, where violent, violence didn't work. And so, you know, again, that's sort of the thing where you don't think that's true. Usually when you talk about um, using nonviolent responses to things, which, again, there, that doesn't mean doing nothing. I have to stress this. Most most Christians Correct. think there's only there's a binary. There's do nothing while the person, you know, rapes my wife or kills my kids, whatever. Correct. Or there's pull out my Glock and blow his brains out. But between those two binary options, there is a, a wide spectrum of possible things. And I even went deeper into the research and found actual stories. And I share some of these in the book of, of real true stories of people that were face to face with a gunman or someone who had a knife, someone who was going to rob them or do them harm. And they didn't respond with violence. They respond in a very shocking, surprising uh, way that ended up disarming that person um, and you know, they walked away many times, even gave each other hugs before they walked away, which is again, like, yep. you're kidding me. This doesn't even seem possible, but it is. And it's one of these things where there's a famous quote that says, you know, it's not that Christianity was found um, difficult uh, and, and abandoned. It's that it's, it's just not been tried at all. And so yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesus kind yeah. of shows us this path, but we have to decide we're going to walk the path. And right so in, in the end, it's kind of up to us. And, you know, when you talk about it's not a question of lay down and get massacred or just pull out your Glock, that's the binary choice we're always sold. That's the choice they yeah. sold us on involvement with Ukraine. And, and yes. it's been very inspiring watching the nations of the world find a third way. Keith yes. Giles, it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, everyone should read Jesus Unarmed. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? 
Thanks so much, Sean. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me at KeithGiles.com, K-E-I-T-H-G-I-L-E-S.com. That's my blog on Pathios. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, all of my books, including Jesus Unarmed, with a wonderful forward by the amazing John Fuglesang. Oh, that's uh, right. It's on yeah. Amazon. <laughs> uh, it's on Amazon on Kindle, print, and audiobook. Um, you can pick it up there. What a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for joining us on this very, very sad day. I really appreciate your giving of your time. We're taking a quick break. We will be right back, and we will get to all of your calls this evening, All going all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. We want to hear how you're feeling, how you're coping, and what you think should be done. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Richard in Seattle, thank you. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Well, early, yeah, hi. Earlier, I was listening to Hannity and friends talk about ah. how, there, how there are good people on both sides of mass murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, all and that I mental illness. Decided, you know, and I decided I had to call John and vent and, and offer a solution okay. for, this, for the gun violence. And what we're going to do, it, what we could do is we could take Republican logic and shove it up their ass. Okay. Nice. Alito has said, and we all know what he said, or what he's written here in the last week or two, that if it's not written in the Constitution, it's not your constitutional right. Yep. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say it's your right to buy and sell guns, rifles, or ammunition. True. So that's what we do. We ban the sell and buying of guns and ammunition for 60 years. Three generations. That's the only way out of this mess. And again, if you take a look at the, the Republican logic, they say that, hey, gun legislation and tweaking these things, they're just, they don't work. And admittedly, they're probably just band-aids. They work a little bit, but it isn't a solution. Banning guns and the sell of guns, I mean, uh, just banning the sell of guns and ammunition for 60 years, it doesn't touch the Second Amendment. Right. They can have their gun. Right, and then but I think, 20, I think, I, but, 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 but this is planet Earth, and we both know that this would never pass. Like, I love the idea in theory. Um, I love Chris Rock's idea of just making every bullet cost a thousand dollars a piece and making the bullets too expensive. Sure, you know, sure. I, but I'm like, what, what conceivably could we do? I mean, the filibuster kind of guarantees that nothing is going to come from our leaders. I mean, nothing, unless we can find ways to creatively blackmail them all. We're stuck with this. There will be more of these shootings well, because we as a culture, we yeah. white people, white people, conservative white people who send these senators who are, represent a minority of the country. But these white people have decided 
that school massacres are acceptable. Yeah. Well, they they have, Sean Hannity. They, Sean Hannity has decided that these that school massacres are acceptable. I don't even. I'm sorry, I brought that. Look, in the real world, if we're going to talk about the real world, I think it all comes down to campaign finance reform. I agree with you. Get those lobbies out of there. That's probably the first step that will lead eventually. But I really like banning the sell of this stuff and using Alito's horseshit and throwing it back. in. (laughs) Look, I like that, too. I like the idea of, um, you know, of registering every single gun in a country that's sold like it's guns. I don't think we need to confiscate anything, but it would be nice to know where all the guns are. And look, I would even support selling AR-15 still if everyone who bought one had to sign an affidavit. And get three friends or three other people to sign the affidavit saying that if the gun was ever committed in a crime for any reason by anybody, that all four of those people who signed it would be legally held responsible for the crime. You get people to take responsibility when you buy one of these things, and it'll happen. The problem is that there's no— Yeah, if their name is on there. If their name is on it somewhere. Hey, I have one one more question for you. Sure. I don't know the answer to this. But we all know that Republicans are being bought and paid for. Uh, their their campaigns are being financed by the NRA in a large part or small part, whatever. How many Democrats are in that bag of deplorables? There's a few of them, but not nearly as many. I mean, I've been looking through it. And some Democrats have taken money from the NRA. Harry Reid took a lot of money from the NRA. You know, guns were really yeah. big in Nevada. But you look at the rating system, that's what I go by, and <laughs> Democrats yeah. are generally very low rated. I mean, people went after Bernie Sanders for being too pro-gun. He had a D rating from the NRA. So that's as good as it yeah. gets. So I'm, I'm with you on there. But remember something. Loving the Second Amendment while hating the NRA is, to me, like loving Jesus and hating Westboro Baptist sure. Church. There are enough moral people yeah. in the world. We could make this happen. Thank you so much for the call, yeah. Andrew. You bet. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you.